Welcome back to another episode of Data Science at Home podcast. I'm Francesco, podcasting from the regular office of my company, Amethyx Technologies, based in Belgium. I'm going to try to keep this episode short and clear as always, hopefully clear. <laughs> I'm going to speak about the Netflix price. Uh, Netflix is, as you guys know, a company that provides video services, actually video streams straight to your home and uh, uh, well, what am I doing? Explaining what Netflix is? I mean, of course nobody needs that. But what I would like to speak about is the Netflix price. Because the Netflix price that happened probably more than 10 years ago um, was probably the first uh, open contest started by a, at the time, already large company like Netflix and actually paved the way to how we think about a public contest with data science and machine learning. And uh, what was the price about? Well, I'm pretty sure that many of you know what I'm talking about. Many of you remember the Netflix price and Netflix contest. Uh, there was something like $1 million uh, price for those who could improve the, uh, at the time, state-of-the-art algorithm for um, video recommendations for users. And uh, apparently there was a team that actually won that prize. What happened next is that that uh, particular algorithm, which was a pretty smart one, uh, was never used. And so why did Netflix do all this not to use something um, that was actually supposed to improve their business or definitely improve their, um, you know, the quality of their services, which is providing better recommendations to users. And so out of this episode, I would like to bring two important messages um, and two, two lessons, in fact, that I personally learned by uh, reading about this. And also in the years, uh, there have been several uh, examples, very similar flavor to the Netflix price in which a solution is not always the best overall, you know, not just in technical terms as well as uh, when you try to productionize such solutions. And we have been speaking about this a number of times on this show in the previous episode. Uh, feel free to surf the official website datasensatome.com or of course, you can also get podcasts from the major channels out there like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, you name it. So what was the Netflix price about? Well, Netflix, in fact, as I said, put at, um, you know, they built, they made a price of $1 million for those who provided an algorithm that improved the recommendation engine that they already had in place. And so what happened is that a few thousand people around the world started, you know, contributing and participating to this competition. Um, many of them, of course, probably for uh, the appealing and juicy price, uh, but many others, they simply didn't care. They just wanted to participate to the, to the contest and try to improve something and maybe, you know, measure their skills in a real world um, uh, activity and in a real world scenario. Essentially put data science and machine learning in action for a real problem because you don't, uh, you have to remember that, uh, you know, back in 2000 and 
five or six, I think, um, you know, there was no Kaggle, there were no public competitions. In fact, Netflix was probably the first large corporation that uh, created, you know, started this uh, this new way of uh, uh, outsourcing their projects, though outsourcing is a very bad word here. Uh, and more details on that uh, in a minute. So the data set that was provided to the participants, to whoever wanted, in fact, to participate in this contest, was something like 100 million data points uh, that included a bunch of information like a, a user, a date, a movie, uh, and a rating from uh, you know, the one to five star rating system. Uh, which is, you know, pretty much what happens also on Amazon or any other, um, you know, platform where you're trying to purchase or or rate something, be it a house, be it a, a pair of shoes or a movie. And then there was a another, you know, a validation data set um, that was called the probe um, of about 1.5 million data points without any rating. And that was, you know, actually used for, uh, well, the purpose of this data set indeed was to validate your uh, your algorithm uh, because of course you cannot have the ratings. You, you have to try to guess them <laughs> with your new algorithm. And those 1.5 million data points were used exact for, exactly for that. Now, the metric that they used in order to um, assess the uh, validity and also the accuracy of the algorithms in the contest was uh, root mean square error. Uh, so for those who are not familiar with what root mean square error is, is essentially the difference between the ground truth and the predicted uh, rating uh, to the power of two and summed over all the samples divided by the number of samples. So take like the mean of the indeed root mean squared error and root because you extract the, the square root of that number. And so what you get is a, an always positive number that you have to try to minimize. And so, um, you know, you start from, let's say, two, three, four, depending on how bad your initial algorithm is, and then you try to bring it to zero, right? If you bring it to zero, you have essentially perfect accuracy and otherwise you are somewhere in between. So what happened to the participants? Well, uh, back to the Netflix prize and the Netflix contest, there were, uh, I think, a team from AT&T Labs. Uh, they used ensembles um, between uh, singular value decomposition and uh, a RBM, uh, which is a restricted Boltzmann machines. I think we have been speaking about uh, RBMs somewhere uh, or sometime in the podcast. Um, it's essentially generative models, well, stochastic generative models that have been replaced, kind of uh, replaced by GANs and uh, and the like, and variational autoencoders probably. Um, but anyway, these are um, very tricky models to train, quite unstable, I found. Um, and the other ensemble was indeed SVD, singular variable decomposition, which is which was more a variation uh, of a matrix factorization algorithm, right? So long story short, this team performed, well, they started from something like 0 0.89, uh, 891 uh, RMSE, and they try, and, and with the with the um, RBM, they started from a 0 0.8990, and they tried to, you know, bring it down with the ensemble to 0 0.88. And then after three years and many other teams, like really many other teams, like thousands of teams, 
uh, around the world, they br they brought the RMSE down to 0.857, which is apparently very good. Depending on, you know, from 0.89 to 0 0.85, uh, you might, you know, it might be, it might sound that there is not so much difference, but believe me, when you extract, that's the root mean squared error. So a small variation in that number is actually, can have a, a very, a very high impact. Hey, do you know how I get private access to the open internet? With a VPN, of course, but not just any VPN. I use Surfshark. With Surfshark, I eliminated problems like ad manipulation, price discrimination whenever I purchase online, identity theft, and tracking in general. I can also access streaming platforms like Netflix, Disney+, Prime Video, and many others from anywhere in the world. Last time I was in the US, some of my favorite series magically became available because I connected to UK with Surfshark. Surfshark encrypts all the internet traffic sent to and from all my devices, and it hides my IP address so nobody can see what I do online. And all that with one simple click. If you use coupon code data science, you get 83% off for a two years plan and three additional months for free. That makes 27 months for less than $60 or 50 euros. So get Surfshark at surfshark.deals slash data science and protect your privacy now. Check the show notes of this episode at datascienceatom.com and get your coupon code for free. Now, this last model, the one that actually won the prize, uh, was an ensemble of something like 104 individual predictors uh, developed by multiple teams and they were all ensembled together uh, by a, a multi-layer perception. So an MLP single layer that took all the answers or the predictions from these 104 models and got retrained. And so, um, you know, it, it, it actually used this ensemble behind the, the, the neural network. Now this revealed to be the winning solution, the one that, that won over everything, that made recommendations better than everybody else, um, something like 10% improvement uh, with respect to what was the state of the art at Netflix back in the days. And uh, everybody was happy. Not really. <laughs> in the sense that Netflix never used this solution. And uh, the reason why they never used the solution is that, well, it was quite hard to productionize. And um, it was back in the days, I think it still is, uh, hard. It's quite a challenge to productionize 104 individual predictors behind another ensemble and uh, put it in production and, and perform uh, recommendations in, in, in real time. Uh, when you have those volumes of data that usually Netflix deals with, like hundreds of millions of requests, if not more, um, you know, it's, it's something that an engineer would have, you know, it, it's, it's kind of the, the best, the worst nightmare for, for an engineer, for sure. And so uh, this solution, in fact, was never used. Now, the question that might be raised is, okay, then they just threw away $1 million. Um, and actually, why did they pursue this contest when they actually never used this, uh, this algorithm and they never enjoyed um, the, the, the better performance, the better accuracy? Well, the reason is that um, the best 
possible model is not always the best possible model in production. And, uh, and here, this is the first lesson that we should all learn out of this, which is academia and uh, Jupyter notebooks are not production, right? So what happens in, on your laptop or offline is definitely not what happens in production. It's definitely not what happens when users are connected in real time, they are using your services, and behind those services, there is a machine learning component. That component is something that you want to keep as simple as possible. And uh, this can, of course, generalize to uh, companies of the caliber of Google, Facebook, Twitter, where, you know, real time is um, part of the game, right? Uh, think about Google, um, the search engine, right? Uh, it's something that you definitely do not want to um, place uh, very clunky and very heavy algorithms behind because, you know, the query engine um, is something that has to perform to return results in, in, in zero point something milliseconds. And guess what? There are uh, 100 million people doing the same thing probably in the, at the same time. Uh, so, you know, that's the when things are really changing, are really different from the model that you see and the, the neural network that you code in TensorFlow, PyTorch, or whatever, offline, right? So that's that's the first part of the story. That's the first lesson, in fact. Fancy models are not always fancy also in production. And I have another example here. Think about GPT-3. GPT-3 is, we have been speaking about GPT-3 a number of times already with version 2 and 3. Um, these are probably the best models so far in the NLP field, natural language processing. And uh, they allow to, you know, they actually generate text that resemble the, the text written by a human being. And uh, we also have explained why these models are actually very narrow domain. So it's not an artificial general intelligence, even though the results that they can generate are scarily nice and accurate, um, still is a very narrow field, um, very narrow AI. Uh, but back to the feasibility, back to the, um, to the fact that these models, though fancy, though accurate and though performant, they they cannot be productionized easily. Uh, think about putting in production a model with a bunch of billions of parameters. I mean, this is something that definitely doesn't, you know, an engineer would just scream at you and probably do something worse. <laughs> it's like, I'm just kidding, but you know what I mean? It's like, it's gonna be very challenging to have these models in production. The second lesson is probably more philosophical, if I can say. Um, in my opinion, is about the fact that there is some sort of, you know, unfairness with uh, public contests and uh, and many hackathons and many, uh, you know, contests a la Netflix Prize, uh, due to the fact that it is very easy for a large organizations like Netflix. I'm not judging Netflix, of course. I'm taking them as an example, but it's very easy for a large organization to, let's say create these contests for the sake of outsourcing internal projects for cheap, right? And um, it's there is a very blurred line there uh, where you say, okay, I'm going to make a contest because I'm genuinely interested in uh, letting the public know 
about my problems because they can once they solve this problem they can enjoy the solutions well that doesn't regularly happen unfortunately uh, i've seen this happening on very few uh, hackathons especially in the healthcare uh, sector um, in which or genomics for example or bioinformatics in which of course the findings were shared with the community so there was this public um, contest where people could participate but they could also enjoy the results and uh, use those results uh, at their will and this is something that I consider fair because if there is a large um, healthcare institution or a government that they sponsor the, the contest they set the price but they also allow the small research lab the research institution even another pharmaceutical company enjoy the results because everybody you know that was a public effort and so everybody should enjoy uh, those results and uh, there should be no limit in how these results might be used or can be used so this is what i consider fair and i've seen this happening quite rarely uh, with respect to the netflix prize where uh, netflix was probably the only company to benefit out of these results and the thing is that there are a lot of, you know, talented people out there uh, who love to do what they do. Uh, and of course, their skills are amazing. They have amazing skills. But there is a problem that they have one thing that is called passion. And for large organizations, it's relatively easy to, you know, take advantage of this and uh, take advantage of someone else's passion. Because when you have passion, you can work for free. And you're not expecting any return or any reward in what you do or for what you do. So that's something that um, I would definitely consider, you know, to be fair, not to, uh, to be critical or to raise indeed any form of criticism against Netflix. Um, I also believe that those who participated, uh, you know, they improved, um, you know, they created the contest, in fact, they, because there cannot be a winner if there are no losers and you all the participants of a contest are there to raise the bar on a daily basis and let the winner improve over and over during the contest until contest is closed right so that's the spirit of competition it's not to show off but it's like to have a winner and also raise the bar on the quality of you know that winner um now i'm pretty sure that majority if not all of these thousand teams that participated they still pay for their netflix subscription probably um, i don't have a guarantee i cannot say that but that's what i think maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm not but you know what i mean it's like they didn't get anything back out of the weekends uh, and probably months spent on improving something for the sake of improving the uh, quality of service of a company like netflix what did Netflix win out of this? Well, they definitely lost $1 million. Um, well, lost, quote, quote, because uh, what is $1 million to a company that um, has that valuation, already had a valuation back in the days. But the $1 million, in fact, was a pretty good and decent investment for them due to the fact that if you are in Silicon Valley and you need to hire people, probably... One million dollar, you know, you don't have a lot of flexibility in how many people you can hire down there. Um, but if you create a contest and you make it public and uh, you open it to the world, there are thousands of people who work for free and uh, who, for whom that one million dollar could be very appealing 
don't forget that the Nobel Prize um, has the same is the same price, is the same amount. So 1.1 million, something like that. But anyway, very comparable. Um, now, Nobel Prize, Netflix Prize, in terms of dollars, is exactly the same. In terms of reputation, probably it's not the same thing. But you know, I'm not here to make any any uh, a comparison. Uh, of course, that's not the right place, and are, are really pears and apples. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is that all the people who contributed to this contest, in fact, got nothing. And the only thing, the only actor benefiting out of this was Netflix. Not by bringing back the algorithm in their infrastructure, in their production systems, because they did not do that but by uh, creating a new philosophy around the concept of collaboration, not to mention that visibility was another important factor, very important to Netflix, of course, having visibility and uh, allowing, uh, you know, these people or many of them who participated to the contest to, you know, maybe apply for getting a job at Netflix, because I believe that even being top 10 in that uh, in that list of uh, for the contest would have been absolutely great and um, and that was you know the contest would have been in fact I'm sure it was used as a very good proxy for filtering talent and uh, and pre-selecting um, highly skilled individuals and probably call them back at some point in the year and offer them a job is that fair who am I to say well, I hope you enjoyed the show. This was Data Sunset Home Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the official newsletter on datasunsethome.com. And of course, pay a visit to our official Discord channel. Uh, you will find the link at the official website. Again, datasunsethome.com. Talk to you next time. You've been listening to Data Science at Home Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean to get new, fresh episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit our website at datascienceathome.com.